Modern Fairies and Lonely Ladies, second podcast series, episode three, Fairies and Children. Hello, I'm Faye Heald. And I'm Caroline Larrington. There are so many stories about fairies and children in the folders given to artists. The idea that fairies might snatch away your child is a potent one just as they might take away your wife, or more rarely your husband. But there's also a fascinating story recorded in two different historical chronicles from the late 12th, early 13th century that really got Mary's imagination going. Yes, the tale of the green children is drawn from the two late 12th and early 13th century overlapping accounts by Ralph of Cockshall and William of Newborough. And it's a bit different in its structure from the familiar patterns of folk tales about fairies. Two bright green children appear at the edge of a wheat field one August and they're found there by harvesters. And the two children have great difficulty in adjusting to their human way. They can't eat human food, they can't speak human language. And the boy looks as if he's pining and dying. But eventually they manage to signal that they can eat beans and that maintains their green colour. The boy still dies, but the girl manages to adapt and to get integrated into human society. And the medieval chroniclers tell us that the girl, when she could speak English, talks about St. Martin's Land as the place that she came from, an underground country where there's neither sun nor moon. And here the two children were herding their father's sheep and they were drawn into this world by following the sound of church bells. So modern commentators have noted the ways in which these two accounts from the historical chronicles do seem to be in some ways assimilated to medieval traditions about fairyland. For Mary, this chimed with a poem that she knew by the American writer Jane Yolen on the same story, and she adapted it into this incredible song. Days they were in scan, lying on the cold stones, their arms and legs green, not the dark green of ivy, nor the yellow green of apples that endow summer boughs, not the deep green of the sea, but of the early breaking leaf. When they open up their eyes, their eyes were green too, and they spoke a green language which the trees and flowers knew. The boy died of a wasting, but the girl lived on, eating broad beans. She forgot her green tongue and grew whiter each day till christened and named and married all in white not the white of milk white nor the white of spring lily waxen and still nor the white of sea pearls formed in their shells she was the white of the old moon shines o'er the hall that is all that is all that is all there's an animation too 
drawn by Natalie Reed and animated by Mary that goes along with the song. And it shows the boy and the girl in the different shades of green and white. You can see it on the Modern Fairies website. One of the things that fascinated Mary and Terry, along with some of the other artists, was the idea that the green girl married and had descendants, maybe still living in Suffolk today. Terry wrote a monologue from the perspective of one of the descendants describing what it was like listening to his grandmother talking about her childhood and and this the history of this story and of course it's completely made up completely fictional but Terry with her magical powers as a writer made it incredibly personal and believable and we recorded that script read by Martin Carthy onto wax cylinder and played it at the sage gatherings using a, a wax cylinder player and so the the medium of sharing the story became part of the show as well and that's been really interesting in all our well for me and and several of the artists not everybody but we were interested in the artifacts and the sources and the 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 formats in which these stories the forms the modes of transmission that these things come to us with so we basically fabricated some authentic medium for artistic purposes and I found that whole process really interesting and and to see audiences sense of belief or disbelief played with by providing an authentic wax cylinder but obviously fictional and uh, created in contemporary times. So let's hear some of the story of the green children's descendant and what he remembers about his grandmother. They say that I was too young when my grandmother died to remember her, but I do. How could I ever forget her? My granny was not like anyone else. She was small and thin, bright-eyed as a bird, with a long white braid coiled on her head, white skin that never browned in the sun, and a wild way about her that made people gossip and shake their heads. They say that she'd been strange as a child and she remained a bit odd till the end of her life. Sometimes she spoke in her own secret language, but only when she was speaking to me, seventh son of her seventh son. She told me the tale of the place where she came from, and now I'll tell it to you. She came from another country, she said. She didn't know its name. It wasn't like here, it had no night and it had no day, just a low, steady light that never changed. And in that light, everything was green. She called that place the green country. So that's what I'll call it too. She had a brother, a little older than her. The two of them were inseparable. One day, they were walking in the hills in low, rolling hills like the ones we have here and they found a cave or maybe she said it it wasn't it was not a cave but a hole in the hill inside was a beautiful light and the children walked towards it hand in hand they entered the cave the light seemed to beckon them on so they kept walking entranced they walked and they walked until the passageway turned and spit them back out on the hill. 
Then they stepped outside, still following the light, and found everything had changed. The light was now a gold ball in the sky. They'd never seen the sun before. They'd never seen a sky so blue. They'd never felt air so cold on their skin or grass so brittle under their feet. They knew suddenly that this was not their world and they turned around to go home again. But the cave was gone. It had vanished completely. Then they sat down under that alien sky, clutching each other in silence and fear, until men returning home from the fields crossed over the hill and found him. Now my mother, she always insisted that Gran was a foreign girl from across the sea, from France maybe, or Germany. But that's not the story my grandmother told, and I know which story's true. The men who took those children home, they knew exactly what they had found. Fairies. They found fairies. Two wild children of the other world. That boy and girl were as green as apples. Their hair, their skin, their eyes, their teeth, the clothes they wore, the shoes on their feet. They were small and thin and green all over. They could not speak the king's plain English. They could not eat plain country food. They could only eat beans, which is just what the fairies eat, beans and milk. That's all. That boy, he'd be my great uncle if he had lived, but he did not. He never learned to eat our food. He pined and sighed and faded away, coloured apple green, until the day they buried him at the crossroads. But my gran, she took to human ways. She ate her porridge, she ate her bread, and the green of her skin slowly faded to white. She learned our language and ran with the other children, the village children, laughing and bright. The vicar's wife took charge of her and she was christened on a bright summer's day. They called her Mary. They taught her not to speak of the child that she'd once been. They thought that she'd forget. She never forgot. And nor will I. Terry's story then picked up on ideas about losing contact with where you came from, ideas about losing your roots, and then having children and eventually grandchildren in your new home. And you struggle to try and describe what the place you've lost was like and how you remember it, particularly as your memories are fading. Mary wrote another song on this theme where the two green children become child migrants or the babes in the wood. They're lost little ones who have to take their chances in the harsh world. One of them makes it and the other doesn't. The girl is the tough one, the one who figures out how to survive and to compromise. Mary hasn't recorded a sung version of this, but here's Brian McMahon reading the lyrics. 
green in my growing pains. The swift and the crane carry full play my brother and I along a flyway. Turtle doves led us, even the stork knows its season. Fiery colours of the fall catch the flame, throw the ball from the hands of war, the hounds of war into the eye of a storm. My childhood songs in borrowed tongue say I am a child of a lesser god. Wait for friends to call on foreign shores, I am a child of a lesser god. In safety now I have found I never felt so weak. Stood on firm ground, you turn me round, and knock me off my feet. The swift and the crane sailed away. My brother died along the byway. Childhood songs in borrowed tongues say I'm a child of a lesser god, and I'm green in my growing pains, in the wake of moonless waves. So Mary and Terry and several of us were really interested in the old stories and representing the tales of Hurler or the Green Children as stories. But we were also interested in how it resonated with contemporary news, contemporary issues and problems that we're facing in the contemporary society. And obviously this idea that you could be displaced and have to navigate a new harsh world chimed hugely with ideas of immigration, emigration and refugees in contemporary society as we were in the workshops the the camps at Calais were quite big news going on at the time so there's an undercurrent of while we're talking about these songs and presenting them very much as folk tales the process of engaging with them chimes with contemporary concerns and issues that we're all having to navigate even if you don't change the material to be a contemporary folk song there's still a deep sense that these are contemporary stories and have contemporary re- resonance. And I think that was really interesting for some of the, the more familiar with working with folklore and traditional song artists, that they don't feel outdated. They're not just rehashing traditional stories. They, they do sense a very deep connection with contemporary concern, even if they don't directly say that through the lyrics. And that was important, wasn't it, I think, because a key part of the project was making the fairies modern. And some people did that through transposing them into different modern settings. But some, like Mary here, reached down into the old story and brought it up into the light of these contemporary issues around child migration and child refugees. And that suddenly, somehow, without making it sound as if it's set in the contemporary world. Nevertheless, it does speak to those really timeless problems, timeless questions about what happens to the child who has to leave the place where it really belongs. Mm. And so then the audiences are brought in because the audiences have to actually do a bit of work there to contextualise the art and to come to their own sense of reality with it as well. And I think maybe it's not just down to artists to make work modern, but audiences have to find their place for it as well. I'm really interested in that, that side of it too. Another theme that was taken up by the artists was the changeling theme. And that's one that really does speak to parents about their fears for, and in some ways, their fears of their children. And that was something that patients worked up. 
Patience was interested in how just at that key age, suddenly you start seeing developmental problems or deficits in your baby. And that child that has seemed quite normal, that used to smile and used to respond to you, suddenly doesn't seem to be there and looks as if it's been replaced by another baby altogether. And that's very much what the changeling story is all about in traditional folktale, that your baby suddenly seems a complete stranger to you. It's in fact been taken away by the fairies who've left a fairy baby, a wizened, languageless creature that doesn't thrive. And if you know how, you can get your baby back again. If you can get the changeling to admit it's a changeling, but that's not really how things work in the real world with babies like this. Patience wrote a poem, Double, that's a specular, a kind of mirror poem. Halfway through, there's a pivot, and then the lines from the first half are repeated, but working backwards towards the beginning. But now they take on a whole new meaning because of the events that have happened within the story. So here we've got Patience reciting Double, accompanied by Ben and Barney at the Sage Gate set. Something's happened to my son. He's not the same child I breastfed. He was healthy. I haven't slept in three nights, watching over his cot for signs of a change when his eyes click open like a china doll. He can't remember how to be Samuel. At me as if I'm not his mother. His eyes are grey green. They say baby's eyes change colour in the middle of the night. He used to call me Mama. Now he only makes noises I don't understand. I don't understand. He only makes noises. Ma, ma. He used to call me in the middle of the night. They say baby's eyes change colour. His eyes are grey, green. I'm not his mother. He looks at me as if he can't remember how to be Samuel when his eyes click open. Like a china doll, watching over his cot for signs of a change, I haven't slept in three nights. I breastfed. He was healthy. He's not the same child. Something's happened to my son. 
Patience is writing something deeply personal here, drawing on her own experience, but also speaking to the questions that frighten anti-vaxxers and the issues faced by anyone who has to come to terms with the fact that the baby they thought they had is not the one that they'll have to live with and look after and love. The idea of loss is closely linked to the fairy world. The feeling that once there was a time when the magical was more real to us, more apparent, and you might see fairies dancing on the green. But as the Calling On song, introduced in episode one, suggests, those days have gone, except where we can reach through to the fairy world through art and the imagination. In the next episode, we talk about one of the project's really modern themes, fairies and the environment. Don't forget to take a look at the Modern Fairies website where you can find more of our work with illustrations, a film of the performance at the Sage and Gateshead and lots of interesting blog posts from our artists.